I'm gonna check those levels. Okay. You gonna pump up the graphics on level three? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Young. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about West of Loathing, which is an RPG that was developed by Asymmetric Publications. <laughs> <laughs> it was released in 2017. Uh, so, West of Loathing, I guess uh, the first thing that we should at least mention is the fact that this is sort of like a spin-off game from uh, this developer's other uh, browser-based MMORPG, um, <laughs> uh, Kingdom of Loathing, uh, which I've not played. Nor have I, though I've heard plenty about it every now and again. I had never heard of it. Oh, yeah. And it obviously have not played it. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of it, but I totally played it. Yeah, like hours <laughs> and hours. Uh, but it's weird to kind of classify this in the genre in the way that Wikipedia does. Wikipedia sort of just is not the be-all, end-all, because this game is a, is a role-playing game that is defined by its, like, or as is defined by its combat system and, like, the way that you interact with the world, towns and NPCs and stuff, all of these kind of traditional RPG trends. Uh, but then the, everyone refers to this game as sort of a as a comedy game, as if comedy is a genre of game, <laughs> uh, which is strange to me. Um, but probably my favorite thing about the game is the way that it, like continually bounces off that tone like it never really sticks to just comedy and when it isn't it's always like super extra jarring (laughs) it's the way that i always thought about west of loathing when i was playing with it uh was how its appeal primarily uh despite being mechanically an rpg it's RPG mechanics aren't what you're there for. And weirdly for me, despite being a comedy game, I wasn't there for the comedy either. The comedy certainly assisted. Uh, well, JJ and, hates this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was spice on what it was done. But I, I do want to push back a little bit on comedy can't be a genre. I think this game makes specific mechanical choices that allow it to be comedic. Specifically... Uh, the way that I always thought of this game is as this, like, tangled ball of yarn. Like, this game is is a huge knot. It's an enormous, gigantic knot that you only see little bits of at a time. And the thing that's actually fun and really hooks you about playing this game is slowly unraveling that knot and finding the connections between zones. And that's something that could be applied to tons of different genres. Like, essentially, the most interesting thing about this game for me is the quest structure and how much information you don't have about how quests link together. And that's a huge springboard for comedy because if you don't know how things are going to connect, you can do things that are unexpected and funny. And it, it was that link between this huge interconnected world of seeming in seemingly like arbitrary ways that you would never think about that's really interesting because you never know what's going to happen to you around any given corner how that enabled the comedy of the game by uh you coming around that corner and finding out that like 
the stupid shoe that you got in level two is you can be traded to this man for some other like nice can of beans. They, they, like everything travels on these little comedic waves of interconnectivity that I really, really enjoyed. And it made me nostalgic for those kind of interconnected quest experiences. It was something that I hadn't realized had really been lost in game design until I played this game. Is that something that you guys are generally sympathetic to? The quest design in this game was kind of a... It was a, one of the things that I was just kind of assuming came from Kingdom of Loathing. Oh, yeah. And specifically because the quests in this straightforward single-player RPG felt like quest design in an MMORPG. And that was kind of my big takeaway from it, was... You would go to an area, there's no, like, quest log, like there would be in, well, it realistically, like there would be in any game nowadays, but it's like, in an MMORPG, you have this, like, idea of, like, going from one place to another, not knowing what's going to be there, gathering stuff to do, and then going to go do it, and then returning, and this game sort of takes that same structure, it's just, uh... Is a lot more loose about how it goes about it. Uh, the amount of, of freedom that you have to do whatever you want in whatever order in this game is pretty staggering. And additionally, you need that freedom because this game is based on like an exploration sort of thing. So your quests aren't going to be picked up at town necessarily. They could be picked up from just like some wandering guy. Uh, yeah, there isn't like, when you think MMO quest design, oftentimes, especially these days, since we're kind of past the huge MMO wave, uh, we think bad MMO quest design, we think like arrows above people's heads, and you know that if you go to this town, you go to the quest guy in the town, and he gives you all the information, and then you run out and do the thing, and then you come back and talk to him. Mm. But in this game, it's sort of like if pieces of that circular loop were just spread all over the place and you could never anticipate when they were going to happen like you would or get which a part of the circle you're going to interact with right yeah. you could turn you could it would turn out when you meet a guy two hours after you met some other guy who needed this third of the circle that you had with you like there's you, you never have the full picture in the way that you do when you're given a quest log in most games that just spell out everything you need to do in order as you do those things. Mm -hmm. You could find some key item that just looks like a piece of trash to you. You might even sell it if you're dumb and uh, feel bad about it later. Uh, yeah, I definitely did that. <laughs> so many times. I, I didn't really feel bad about it, though, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, this game kind of... Uh, Avoid, avoids that partially by just how many different little loops to tug there even are. Like, even though I could tell a couple of times accidentally I'd shut myself out of access to cool things to do, there were so many things to do that I often forgot about it. The, your to-do list was as wide as you explored, especially in the middle part of the game before some of the gating elements came into play. Yeah, I was wondering uh, what kinds of games this made you nostalgic for. Because personally, this doesn't make this game didn't make me think of MMOs at all. Really, it it remind it. I kind of cataloged it in my mind as being part of that like Undertale and like Lisa, like those kind of old school RPGs that are clearly inspired by like Earthbound in some way, mm -hmm. where it's like really quirky 
and like low fidelity art style and it has that kind of like lowest fidelity art <laughs> style. <laughs> and it has like that almost kind of like adventure game style writing in the in the way that you interact with the characters and stuff. It made me nostalgic for good single player RPG quests and for being a person who was ignorant of game design. Mm. Because when you were a little kid <laughs> it made you nostalgic for being someone ignorant of game design. So, Correct. Like, so yeah, like okay. something like Baldur's Gate or something is yeah. that what you're talking about? Back before you knew the tropes as well as you did as an adult. And uh, you couldn't always predict the order that things would happen. And how in the best quests that you interact with in old single-player RPGs, the things that made them engaging were the surprises, the fact that you didn't know where things were going, or when things would end up connecting that you didn't expect to connect. This game is made up almost entirely of those kind of good quests uh it doesn't sometimes the game goes a little bit too far with its looseness but i would way prefer a game where i feel like i'm overwhelmed with options and different strings that i can tug and things that i could try and figure out how they fit together than the opposite where i have consistent guidance but i kind of know the path that i'm following before i even follow it yeah i think that um like you were talking about with uh like, me saying the quest design comes from MMOs, and you saying the game kind of reminds you of, like, Earthbound, and you saying that the game has sort of an adventure game sort of vibe to it. This game is composed almost entirely of tropes, like, that it picks apart and uses the ones that it likes the best. It's really, it's kind of deconstructive of... Um, like genre, it's like a genre, like genre film. People talk about, like, this is, like, a horror movie, but it's like the it's a genre film, so it's something that like kind of revels in its own tropes. I think that West of Loathing is like the genre film of video games because it does pull from all of the some of the quests themselves act as adventure game puzzles where you have to try inventory items on things without knowing what the result's going to be. The writing and stuff feels like an adventure game, but the combat's out of an RPG. The equipment system feels like Earthbound. The like all of these different like bits and pieces come together to make this ultimately really simplistic game. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that we were kind of talking about the quest structure that led us here, but each individual one of those quests feels like it could be pulled into like its own standalone thing. And they all have a different sort of vibe to them. Mm -hmm. And none of the in the spirit of the Wild West, this game is very much about the journey and not the destination. Like I was just wandering around and ended up summoning uh, a like cow demon into like, a circle of, uh, of of I forget what they call it, but it's essentially like a salt circle, mm -hmm. so that he couldn't escape. And then just nothing happened. <laughs> uh, I lied to him and got a like a perk, like a, a statistical bonus, and then I just walked away <laughs> and never saw him again. Mm -hmm. I don't think that thread goes anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, this game, I think more than any game I've played in a while, really feels like a living world. Mm -hmm. Like, it just feels like it just keeps going deeper and deeper, and, like, the, the game world exists independently of you. Like, there's just so much stuff. Like, I, I feel like I missed, like, half the content, you know, <laughs> in my playthrough, and I explored pretty thoroughly. That is easily possible. I think... 
upon my second viewing of the credits, it said that I had visited 70 locations, uh, which feels like a lot, but like, I, I think there's like way more. The, the coast side of the map was like barely filled in for me. So in that vein though, um, are there particular quests that you thought were real good? I could have phrased that question in like a less <laughs> stupid way, but now we are. Now you're stuck with it forever. Now, uh, I, mm, ironically, I think the longest and most involved quest lines of the game are the things that did not hook me as effectively as a lot of the other things. I didn't get pulled in that deeply to the Hellcal stuff because the links were so obscure. I didn't get pulled in that deeply to the alien menace because uh, I it, it got to a point where you just needed to get more of those punch cards to get information, and I just didn't want to bother with like farming stuff in the end game. Uh, Guess who didn't farm anything and just pressed buttons wildly until they <laughs> figured it out? The mystery of the alien uh, of the. El Vibrato mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was like so intriguing to me that I absolutely had to like do something with it. Here's the best part of it. Okay. I have no idea what I did <laughs> and I don't know anything about them. <laughs> like <laughs> in the end I got an achievement, uh got a cool hat and then that was it. Like I don't <laughs> I pressed buttons that didn't have English words on them. And because it would light something up somewhere. <laughs> and over the course of the whole game, I managed to eventually get some kind of resolution out of it. And I just don't know what it was. Yeah. I, I agree with JJ on this one, where, like, the one really long side quest I ended up doing was the Necromancer's Tower, because right. it was tied to my partner. That's one that I didn't do. Um... And it yeah, it required so much like grinding and like time investment that it kind of was a slog towards the end. And I also just like was super interested in the alien stuff and then just gave up because right. it was like no sense of progression. You're just kinda like randomly fiddling with it and not you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, the thing that one of the most memorable things to me is just like when you first get to dirt water all the little quests involving the different people you can take with you. Mm-hmm. I thought all of those were cool. Yeah. Like I like that this game in a lot of its like smaller quests presents you with the information and makes you connect the dots. Like that's that felt surprisingly refreshing to me in this game because like it lets you miss things left and right yeah. and like the things that you experience you do through your own uh observations and ingenuity yes uh i it, in retrospect after googling stuff highly regretted that i did not get that first goblin in the prologue <laughs> as my partner which oh is a yeah thing that can happen yeah gary was my partner oh, it's, oh i'm so jealous i don't have any idea like what the differences are between like playing th- i guess all right uh we'll get into like some slightly more mechanical stuff uh, as it pertains to the game in a bit mm-hmm. but first like, because the reason that you did the necromancer thing was because you chose... Doc Alice is my partner. Right. 
and I, I got Gary. Um, and I'm Missy McGunshoot, whatever her name was. Oh, I'm glad that you know so much about your partner. <laughs> uh, she was the strong, silent type. Yeah, we did call that that's who you would uh, choose. <laughs> and by we, I mean, I guess me, because you didn't actually know that you could take No, I never figured out her little quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the end of it, uh, I didn't know that you could take Doc Alice. So I, at the end of it, it, I had the choice between Crazy Pete, uh, uh, her... <laughs> strong Missy McGunshoot. Okay, yeah, come on. and uh, and Gary and I don't think that I could have chosen anyone but Gary. So, damn. I told him uh, not to kill Gary when he found him because I played it. Yeah, I went into the basement and killed him, and then found the book that let me learn Goblin Tongue. So I was like, Chad, don't kill the Goblin in the bar. Learn <laughs> to speak to goblins and then go talk to him and see what happens. Right. And then. It changed my entire playthrough. <laughs> because when you have Gary as your partner, uh, you don't ever fight goblins. They, ne- I never attacked a goblin the whole game Ooh. because, uh, well, they won't attack you. Gary will not abide by it. <laughs> and, uh, like, on any encounter with a goblin, you can just have Gary deal with it. And so, like, a conversation happens off screen, and then he comes back and you get experience in, like, an item. Anytime you encounter a goblin in the overworld. So is Gary, like, a goblin diplomat? Like, is that his goblin profession? No, I just think that uh, goblins are generally amicable to their own kind. Oh, racist. They're really racist? I I guess. I mean, my experience with the goblins was all positive. (laughs) (laughs) They're very hard to avoid combat with. If if the binary is, if you're one of us, you're fine, and if you're not one of us, we kill you, that seems like a pretty hard line in the sand. Well, they seem, because they're so dumb right Mm -hmm. they're they're always okay talking to me because i can speak goblin and have a goblin with me so they never murder me so it's only it's maybe it's more like a nationalist thing Mm -hmm. than a racist thing yeah because my interactions with them was always i'd run into them i also knew goblin tongue so i talked to them and then it would give me the option of like i'd have to intimidate them Mm -hmm. or fight them (laughs) like it always came down to that Oh yeah, because you have intimidating, and I had uh, hornswoggling. I think was is that unique to my class? I don't know. I forget. Are they class tied? God, there's just so many random little perks and stuff. They, I, they are class tied, but they all do effectively the same thing. Ah, yeah. Uh, I was a bean wizard because, of course, I was the bean wizard. I'm glad we were <laughs> we were discussing this. I. Uh, I chose the snake oiler because obviously I chose the snake oiler. And I was cow puncher. So we all picked, we all had different partners and we all picked a different class. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I am also willing to commit right now that my character is better than all of your characters. <laughs> 100%. My character could take your character in a fight. Uh, I wouldn't even be close and I wouldn't have to involve my dad. Um, that's probably true unless you just didn't play the game for as long and I just had more experience. <laughs> <laughs> overall but even then like my character kind of sucks um because i uh uh well i okay i started with auto leveling because i just didn't want because there were a bunch of buttons and i was like fuck that uh but eventually i really didn't take it was probably like four hours in or so <clears throat> i turned auto leveling off and started specializing more uh and i went super into like a gun toting build i was the rootinest tootinest uh I don't know anything else in the that, West. that rhymes with Tootin, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> nothing else that rhymes with Tootin. I'm sure there's plenty. Um, and, 
then I was like, well, fuck yeah, I want to be a necromancer. And what that does is it tanks all of your other stats severely. Oh. Uh, as, you read, as you read through the books, which I love, um, because there's one other thing, this thing that this game reminds me of, uh, and that is a really harsh single-player D&D session. <laughs> like, this whole game felt like a D&D like, game that I would have written. Like, <laughs> like it's just like a j- deeply sinister, but like layered jokes on top of it until it doesn't appear as sinister as it seems. And uh, one of the things that, like, if you come across a spooky old textbook, if I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, I probably wouldn't read it because some bad might happen. But. If I'm playing a single-player game, I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, let's read this terrible textbook, because <laughs> I'm not this person. Uh, and of course, what ends up happening is uh, your skin turns pale, your blood becomes like like thin and, and gross, your hair <laughs> thins out, your eyes cloud over, and eventually you become obsessed with necromancy and become the necromancer. Uh and so all of your stats except mysticality just like get tanked. Hmm. So that's why my character sucks. But he's great. I love it. Good. Good. I think I've decided on what my favorite quest was now. Yeah. Uh, and it was definitely the ghost town. Oh man, the ghost town. Man, you could not have picked a quest that I could not. <laughs> well, I did like it generally. I don't think that it could possibly be like a favorite quest because <laughs> I think it goes on just slightly too long. If it didn't go on slightly too long, it would not be an example of the trope it was trying to embody. Was it, the ghost town the one where you caught the ghost bandits, or was that a different ghost town? That was a different ghost. Yeah, well, that, was, that was like a ghost building. Yeah, ghost uh, structure. Okay. Yeah, this is a this is like a ghost community. I, I feel yeah. I found the ghost community. I just don't remember what happens there. Oh, uh, it's, you can skip it. Uh, I don't think I did. Technically, I think I did. Okay. It's incredibly bureaucratic, uh, and you spend, like, 25 minutes just going back and forth between different buildings, and, in fact, sometimes even whole towns, trying to get approval for various very minor things that you have to do. the Breadwood Mayor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I remember this. And all the menus are super annoying, because you have to select things, like, three times in a row, Mm -hmm. and it just never, ever ends, and it's the most, like, horrifying, structured experience I've had to play through in a text adventure. (laughs) And if you're like me, you, uh, after getting the temporary permit, you thought... Maybe I can just do this in 11 seconds. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you start mashing the one button, and then it changes your name on the card. And so when you go to do it again, you have to tell them that your name is like Pico Justine, <laughs> like Nah Nasher, some shit. <laughs> and you have to remember that every time you talk to them. Oh, it was a weird experience. Yeah. It, it really, <laughs> I think, succeeds in actually. A- evoking the kinds of feelings that you would have in real life if you applied for a permit, like all the waiting and all the stipulation and everything. Which is exactly yeah. what I want in my video game. Accurate <laughs> simulations of, of, bureaucracy. of bureaucracy. Yeah, <laughs> I feel as though you get it, like you get the joke, 
mm-hmm. pretty early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then at that point, they should continue doing it for, like, maybe five more minutes. <laughs> and <laughs> then it should just nah, stop. Nah, you gotta give them props for committing to it. Indeed. I, <laughs> I would have paid so much money to watch you play through this segment. Oh, my God. I mean, I wasn't, like, super frustrated or anything. Like, I just did it. I went through the 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 motions. <laughs> you seem angry now, let alone then. <laughs> Well, I was less angry then, realistically, because, like, I didn't know when it would end. So I kept thinking, like, this is probably the last one. <laughs> then you just uh, have to go sleep for two days. Yeah, the ingenious the touch. Oh, I didn't. I left no, you just and just, finish. like, slept naturally as I uh, would while playing the game and then came back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I wanted it done then and there. So I, just, uh, I just slept two days straight. I had a, a the, I think that the ingenious touch in that quest was making you go back for the pencil mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor signs for it, and then I guess loses it in his beard. That that was that was a good bit. I was also hoping because um, there are lots of things like in that one. Like obviously, if you were to check your inventory, you would notice the pencil wasn't there, and then you could talk to the mayor and have him like do that again. Say, I think that happened to me. Like I just talked to him again, and he just gave it back right there. Right, smart man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not in that boat, unfortunately. <laughs> smart people. Uh, <laughs> but there were other like instances that I thought uh, would have been great if they just like kind of laid into you like that. Uh, there's a bit where uh, in the circus, if you uh, examine this like fish object in the sideshow tent it says it scared your boots off and i was like oh please and like checked my character (laughs) sheet to see if like my boots had actually come off of my character which would have been amazing uh but unfortunately they didn't quite go for that one shit (laughs) all right hate mail incoming zero out of ten boots did not come off god what happens at the circus because i feel like i went there when it became available and then wasn't able to do anything, and then never went back. Yeah, I was never rich enough for the circus, which is also, like, the most old-timey Western poor boy thing to say in the universe. I was never rich enough for the circus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I had my moments of being poor, but, like, I ended the game with over 20,000 meat, so... Uh, <laughs> I am jealous of your meat, Chad. <laughs> you should be. Thank you. You should be. <laughs> uh, when you go to the circus, obviously they ask you for lots of meat to do lots of things. Uh, basically, all you have to do is get into the circus, which, because I chose the Dickerin skill as, like, my... I don't know if it actually reduced the price on this, um, but I was able to get in. Uh, I left for a long time because it was asking for a lot, uh, but in, it, which is good because in order to actually complete the circus bit, you have to have one of your skills at, like, 30 or more. Uh, in order to win one of the carnival games. But you win a carnival game, buy a balloon, go to the sideshow, and then go to the main tent. And when you go to the main tent, you participate in a knife-throwing thing where you're strapped to a board and a guy named Barnaby Bob throws (laughs) knives at you. Uh, And then you go back and it turns out that he's like, like an ancient enemy of the cows. And you have to, then you go to like a tannery and you fight some clowns and cows and then you get a guy and he gives you a bag of seeds, which you then grow into hay and then you spread the hay on the ground 
and then you release that cow demon. So anyway, yeah, uh, this, this that's is, what happens at the circus. Wow. <laughs> that didn't disappoint. <laughs> This uh, interminable, insane rambling is completely representative of the quest structure of the game as a whole, where yeah. you go to a place and you think it's just clowns, but it's actually part of some kind of like ancient, com- like evil combat structure, uh, <laughs> and you eventually turn- get some seeds somehow. There's just everything is always tied together in a way that's always surprising and entertaining for you. Mm. I, notably, I didn't do the uh, the bit where you uh, summon the cow until after I'd finished the game once, mm-hmm. because I didn't... Uh, the way that I even realized there was a thing to do is uh, when you go <laughs> when I was fiddling with the technology that I couldn't read, there was a thing that said like stuff some shit in this machine, and I was like cool. And then when you go to the right, you choose the right or the left side, and then it gives you like a selection of items. And one of the items was the were, were seeds of cow's bane, which is the relative hay that I was talking about earlier. And uh, putting it through the machine turns it into the hay bale. But putting wine through the machine turns it into fine wine. So I'm guessing That's that it hilarious. that it like ages it uh, that. So that was cool. Uh, I think there was a blurb actually explaining that it ages it that I just kind of ignored. But either way. Can we reuse the, like, inside of Silphco music from that Pokemon episode <laughs> for just our crazy ramblings about this game's plot structure? Yeah, it's a little bit insane. I actually never finished the Necromancer bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't really even know where to go from where I am on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, It's... Just a really long string of, like, collecting items related to the Necromancer and making sure that you read them. It, it's something like six or seven items that you need to get in. Mm-hmm. And then it's really just kind of anticlimactic. It's just, like, <laughs> three floors of combat, and then you get to the Necromancer, and he's just, like, a withered, dead thing that you don't even have to fight. Right. Which, I mean... Realistically, yeah, it's that's why it's one of the things is about the journey. It's uh-huh. like getting to the tower is like the cool part. Yeah, it's kind of hard for a game drawn entirely with stick figures to ever really end in like a shock and awe situation. Mm-hmm. Like unless unless the game just decided to completely left field break its aesthetic structure. Like you get to the top and it just shifts into like the Unreal Engine 4 or something. <laughs> <laughs> you go through like a Gears of War style assault on the final Necromancy Tower with your same stupid like Western themed accessories. Uh, but that feels like something that would be in this game too. <laughs> like you would just like open a door and suddenly just be in a different game for a minute. Yeah. Instead of like Unreal Engine 4 more like uh, like the way Morrowind looks. Like an old 3D like PC game. Right. <laughs> just like a first person like dungeon crawl <laughs> through the tower as long as it was consistently like within the world of the game i feel like they would do pretty much whatever <laughs> i did uh i gotta say like the one exception to this i feel like one of my preferred quests was the buffalo pile uh if you finish the quest in the buffalo pile uh which all takes place in one area like there, you don't have to. There's just like a simple puzzle you have to solve, and you have to have the lock picking skill, uh, and it, it just rewards you with a second partner. Um, oh, yeah, Buffalo, 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 Bill. <laughs> uh, 
And if you like, and it's all it's self-contained. It's really weird because yeah, like my lockpicking no, skill wasn't high enough to open whatever the, you need to open with a lockpicking skill. I don't remember what it was. Uh, there's a key for the the boxes as well, mm-hmm. but I don't know where it is. Apparently, it's easy to find, and I'm just dumb. Mm, um, me too, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> But if you finish uh, the quest, you get your the second party. But it's all, like, it's one thing. There isn't a whole lot of outside narrative except for, like, its connection to the cult. And that's and that's it. That's the whole yeah, thing. You get an item for the I, necromancer thing there. Yeah. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> Probably something weird and gross. Yeah. 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 Disgusting. Speaking of weird, gross, and disgusting, oh, my God. The, the, the recurring spittoon jokes... Oh, yeah. It was absolutely yep. outstanding. Yeah. One of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I-, I kept expecting something different to happen with that. Because, like, the first one, it seems like such a big deal. Like, oh, am I going to actually reach in to yeah. the Splatoon? <laughs> but then not every time it just rewards you with cool gear. <laughs> I wish, uh, well, cool cool is uh, subjective. <laughs> I, said, I used a lot of it. Like, I used the, oh, so did I. Yeah, the gun and the sword. I used the, as somebody who is a, like, gun guy, uh, that gun is actually really good. Um, and I didn't replace it until, like, near the end. But once I, like, went full necromancy, there's a gun that you can get uh, from a random encounter with a chef that gives <laughs> you a gun that increases your mysticality that I started using. Oh, you're right, the Splatoon stuff. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was fantastic, and I liked how, like, drawn out it was. Even the, uh, like, the end of it, like, when you get to the last one. Yeah, the final Splatoon. And he's just like, he's like, dude, just whatever, man, like, go for it. <laughs> you're outstanding, you disgusting man. I can only imagine how much more time was spent on the descriptions of your Splatoon reaching uh, <laughs> than any other possible description in the game. It was, it, it was truly just masterful. It, I would recommend people play this game for no other reason than to find all of the Splatoons. Yeah. I, I like how spread out through the game they are too. Mm-hmm. Like it just it keeps it going the whole time. Yeah, and there's just like one. I mean, I don't know if I found all of them. I'm assuming that I did, but I could be wrong. The game told me I found all of them. Mm, it says this is the last one in the game. Is it the one that was in uh, the last town? I think so. I got like a fancy spittoon hat. Yeah, that... I think that that's just the reward for doing that one. Mm-hmm. Albeit, I didn't ever go back. And find another one that like that was the last one that I found as well. But I feel like it makes more sense that it's tied to geography, because it would be weird if you just like found a real good item <laughs> early. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Break time. Yeah, we could do that. I might have to get my blood sugar up or something. You know, stop my body from collapsing during whatever it's doing. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from the break. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk more about. I want to talk more about a lot of things. Video games. Yeah. Life. Um, experiences i was talking earlier about the fact that um i had uh, completed a quest that gave me a second partner 
Mm-hmm. In addition to that, as a snake oiler, you have the ability to like throw a snake onto the battlefield and it will fight with you. And Gary has the ability to reproduce and create another zombie or another um, goblin. And then, as a necromancer, you can spawn uh, a gunslinging skeleton or a regular skeleton using bone chips and uh, teeth. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just like completely fill one side of the battlefield, which was hysterical. <laughs> Uh, and I'm wondering if there was anything, like, equally weird that you could do with your character classes. Yeah, I thought I was hot shit for having a bean golem. I was really proud of my big old <laughs> golem made of beans, but apparently that's just one piece of a much larger necromantic puzzle. Because mm-hmm. I had to be a nice guy, and I was like, oh, let's burn these books when I found all the evil books. You get XP for burning the books. But the power, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the experience points, I had power. I could get experience points whenever. The combat in this game is a little broken, although (laughs) I'm kind of throwing up in my mouth a little bit for even using the phrase broken in the context of a single-player game in the first place. But, like, what I mean by that is that it's just designed to drain resources that are never functionally limited they you're always ticking things down but i never got anywhere close to a point where i couldn't win a when a combat if i wanted to like worst case scenario i would miss run in misjudge a fight die come back and dominate it because now i knew i had to use limited resources like the items and stuff mm. but there was never really a point start to finish where i felt like i was in significant danger of not progressing because of the combat all the progression locks for me were either just pure ignorance of inter- interrelations in like the narrative systems and the quest structure or not having enough meat I, I especially end game i constantly ran out of meat and it was one of my least favorite experiences with the game so there were a lot of times uh where I, I assume, anyway, that every character you make can just be untouchable if you want it to be. Right. Yeah. I also think that... Um, the Okay, so when you say broken, and I, I want to bring it up again to make you feel worse about it. Thank you. Um, but it, anytime that you were talking about a single-player game, if the game... If, if the combat can be broken in the... Like... But in the direction of the player where the player is the one who comes out on top most of the time, it's usually more acceptable that way. Agreed. uh, Because things don't have to necessarily be balanced if the person playing it is having a good time. And this game offers a hard mode for uh, if you want the challenge, uh, which realistically just equates to more grinding. Um, There isn't a whole ton of strategy that can go on. Um, For example, you mentioned the items being like, uh, combat sort of limits you in how like many resources you have. Mm-hmm. I used, I think, a grand total of about seven items over the course of the entire game. Mm. Um, the majority of my damage was uh, came from my pistol, and specifically the fan the hammer skill, which does exactly what you think it would do, which is shoots three times. Um, much like Chrono and his <laughs> slash three times or kick three times, uh, the ultimate power in any RPG is just doing yeah. one thing multiple times. Yeah, the cow puncher has an ability called the old one, two, three, where you just punch something <laughs> three times. Yeah, and the wizard just has AoE magic skills. 
Right. You can just freeze everyone with cold beans. Well, I eventually got uh, an AoE magic skill in the form of Rain of Teeth, mm-hmm. which was pretty much... Uh, Disgusting? Oh, well, yeah, but, you know, it was good. <laughs> yeah, mine was some kind of cow stomp. Mm. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. It's like a stampede or something. That makes sense. It's just always strange to me. I can't dock a game too many points for uh, having this kind of structure that's never an impediment to you if it takes some little of your time and it's clearly not supposed to be one of the core engagements. Right. But this game has so much wrapped into the combat system. So many stats, so many things you're supposed to care about, so many equipment slots and combat relevant items that it seems like the game put too much mechanical weight on a system like it seems this feels like a game where it has combat because it wants to be a video game with like huge open quotes sure yeah like you can like have a pretty easy time even if you don't use the items or like the consumables like the consumable items basically just make you untouchable Mm mm-hmm yeah, with the exception of, like, if you're just way in over your head. Yeah. Which occasionally happens. Like, you'll show and be like... Because there's a little stat block on the right. Um, if you remember, I didn't uh, know what any of the uh, abbreviations or anything meant in Fire Emblem. Because I didn't look at the stat blocks and mm-hmm. didn't realize that you would know how much damage you would do before going into the combat. You re- you don't realize I will never forget that? I, yeah, I should realize okay. that. Uh, this actually had a kind of similar thing, but it was less uh, drastic, I think. Where there's a little stat block that tells you your enemy stats on the bottom right. And I just never looked at it. Like, it was right there. I could have known everything there would be to know about it. And I just chose to ignore it for the most part. Uh, Additionally, like, this game starts with um, your auto-leveling enabled. And asks you, like, hey, do you want to turn this off? It's fine if you don't. So I think the game knew that it's combat wasn't the core reason that you're playing. I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's sort of, if I can make a callback to just last episode, where we talked about how Hellblade felt like it had, uh, the, it sort of had its ducks in a row, but at the same time, it tried to do too many things. So those ducks got spread thin. You can't uh, try and get your ducks to do all these different things at the same time. Exactly. Ducks this have a, a very like low ceiling for coordination. <laughs> this is a real uh, JJ metaphor here. <laughs> uh, <coughs> but uh, but but th- this like West of Loathing is exactly the kind of laser focus that an indie game should have most of the time, mm-hmm. to the point where obviously it was just. It was, they're just stick figures. Like, everything was just drawn by a guy, probably an <laughs> illustrator. Just like, there you go. oh, that's a guy. And, like, you don't, like, your equipment doesn't change except for the hats. Uh, and you do get to see what melee and ranged weapons you're using in combat, but that's it. Uh, it's, it's that kind of thing where I feel like the combat just sort of got, like, it's combat, and mm-hmm. that's all. It just... With a game that's already so taxed 
in your inventory system if you mm -hmm. it takes so much mental energy to understand all the items that you have with you and to remember the things that might be connected because of the way the quest system works yeah kind of the game really soon you realize that like you shouldn't sell anything ever <laughs> you can possibly avoid it unless it says just sell it yeah mm -hmm. unless you or you have like 20 of it or something and mm -hmm. even then there's circumstances where you need like 10 of an item uh but because of that, your inventory gets so cluttered so fast that it seems a little bit wasteful of player energy for the people who were wanting to like look through your inventory system to try mm -hmm. and find things like quest relationships. That so many of those items would be like combat consumables. Right. It, it seems like it had some slight detrimental run-on effects with the rest of the systems. If it really wasn't, if you can tell that the game really didn't think the combat was that important to the experience. They could have done with a much better filtering system, I think. Because mm -hmm. one exists, but it's, like, difficult to tell what items are even going to fall under which umbrella. Yeah, it's and, super broad. Yeah. Um, so I still ended up with, like, pages of stuff to scroll uh -huh. through every time. Yeah, I, was I just things. never even bothered trying to keep track of oh, yeah. what I had. Uh, I think that your uh, lack of meat and desire to never sell anything might have actually... Then can I, this might be a crazy conspiracy, mm -hmm. but I think there might be a connection there. <laughs> I, I also never really sold anything because that's just the way I've always played RPGs. I don't right. want to sell important stuff. Well, the way I play RPGs is never using anything, so I ended up mm. selling a lot of stuff. <laughs> but uh, I, I ended up having it's much like I always had enough meat for what I wanted to do. Yeah. Maybe well, I just didn't do as much stuff. <laughs> realistically, a lot of my like meat shortage issues were remedied by going through the the circus quest, which I did at like the midpoint ish of the game. Um, because once you do, you can sell cow parts to Barnaby Bob for like crazy amounts of money. Oh, like the brass rings that you get from killing like any cow enemy sell for ninety meat a piece. So I had like seventy of them and was like. Uh, give me my fortune now. And he was like, here you are. <laughs> You've made <laughs> your, your fortune. fortune. Yeah. yeah. And I uh, walked away. Uh, at the end of the game, I finished that weird side quest where you like the treasure hunt side quest and ended up with like 11,000 meat from that. So you meaty bastard. Yeah. Uh, but that was like, that was like the last thing I did. So like none of that has been spent. All of it basically came from, uh, Mr. Bob. In that vein, uh, and I sort of kind of mean that as a double entendre, kind of play on words, God, uh, how did you feel like the economy in this game was balanced? Because a lot of sort of what you do in this game relies on how well you're able to manage your own, like, resources and play through things, and I feel like a lot of times I'd be like, oh, I just need to grind up this amount of money to buy these things to go do a quest. Like the crazy prospector that I am at heart, uh, I just hoarded everything that I owned and then, uh, through drinking heavily, got my stats <laughs> high enough to a point where I could bypass lots of challenges based on uh, like a stat threshold, like right. having 30 moxie or mysticality or whatever. So I ended up ignoring a whole lot of, uh, as much meat gating as I possibly could through associated like quest connections and then just having a big warehouse full of junk that I would use <laughs> <laughs> to, to continue the cycle. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty well balanced to the point where I really wasn't even thinking about it. Right. Where like, there were... F few times where like i i needed to grind out enough meat to do a thing i wanted to do 
the times when I actually hit those walls was uh, was when I decided essentially to put down the game. It was like once I hit the last cutscene, har har har. Yeah. Uh, uh, and pretty much all the side quests that I had remaining were things that needed like a thousand or five hundred meat or something. I was just like, eh, not <laughs> worth it because I knew the actual mechanical structure that I have to go through to get that meat would just be grinding. Uh, and in a and grinding a system that the game's really not intending to be that good right. is not my idea of a fun weekend. So, I, <laughs> so I did other things instead and left the game on its highest notes, which were the comedic notes and the interrelated quest structure. And I'm happy that I did that. I think I, I was I felt like a bit of a pessimist, thinking to myself like, uh. I don't think getting to the end of this yellow brick road is really going to be anything fantastic, but from what we've discussed here, it sounds like that was a guess that kind of panned out. Like, yeah, it's more about what you do on the way, but uh, I don't know. The little ending cutscene was kind of a motivator for me because, like, you can get you can meet someone to introduce to uh, Cactus Bill, Cactus Bill, mm-hmm. and uh, getting Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> In the ending cutscene, he opens a buffalo, 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 wild, wild, wild wings. <laughs> uh, and, like, these, like, little, those little vignettes, like, absolutely made a lot of, uh, like, the quests worth it for me. Does Olive Garden open an Olive Garden? No, they're just, they have kids with, with Cactus Bill. That sounds painful. <coughs> well, it's disgust. Ing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's because that it is painful if you talk to them several times. And you're just like, oh, how are we going to do X and Y? And your character's just like, oh, ew, never mind. And just like leaves. <laughs> you mentioned that in order to meet those stat thresholds for various challenges in the world, um, I also did it artificially, mm-hmm. but I was more, because I never use any items in RPGs because I'm bad at video games. Um, I uh, would just, like, mash different equipment items onto myself until the stats went up. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel? Because, personally, I love the system that they have in place for, like, the stomach, liver, spleen, like, uh, maximum number of items you can use in a day mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but didn't engage with it anywhere near as much as I probably should have. What do you think about it? <laughs> I ended up not I engaged with it as much as I could, given my extreme resistance to wanting to sleep. Another prospector-like quality yeah. of my character. <laughs> uh, that's probably the one element of the core design that I kind of think isn't working as intended. Uh, I felt, because all of your consumables... Uh, are really disproportionately strong, the ones that are permanent, like you're getting... But by the end of the game, like six to nine more in all of your associated stats on just like one piece of alcohol or what have you. Yeah. So, it, like, by the end of the game, I don't think any of my base stats, I, I think I had like, of the three primary stats, I had like a nine, a 12, and another nine, but my mysticality was like above a hundred. Like, <laughs> like, like, all the boosts just get that high, so going to sleep feels like erasing your character unless you take put forth the effort to restructure and remember where you got all of these boosts getting the ones back that you know that you can and trying to replan things right there's a huge cost to going asleep or dying 
uh, I I died like twice ever going through the, the whole structure of the game. Died like died and went back to the yeah, the yeah. end. Went back to the end. Is there another form of death other well, than when you die? Like when you lose a combat. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you meant that you yeah. lost combat twice or if you lost combat and became angry enough to go back home twice. Oh no, I didn't even know that angry enough to go back home was a thing. You lost combat twice. Yes. Did you ever go back to sleep? Uh, I went back to... Like, uh, not of your... uh, If you lose five, like, combats, you have enough anger that you just, like, go back to dirt water and wake up and start over. Mine was three. Oh. Yeah. That's based on a stat as well. Oh, okay. You can actually change the amount of your, like, tolerance for fury. grit? Oh, it's pain pain tolerance Mm -hmm. that you get from grit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, My I never... muscle was eight at the end of the game, so... <laughs> Whatever. P- point being is that there are... Even beyond the, ed- the consumable items that wear off when you go to sleep, there's a lot of quests, we mentioned a couple of times before, that require sleep to progress, but sleep is has an enormous cost to it and is supposed to be like some approximation of a punishment mechanic in a right. way a lot of the items in combat works. So I never really went to sleep voluntarily which means I never got to respec my character, so to speak. Right. I like, uh, and I never, I never progressed and, and finished my oh so favorite ghost town quest because I never wanted to sleep. Uh, it, it just felt like the the incentives were a little bit off there. Uh, I I wished I didn't feel like I was losing so much by sleeping. See, that didn't really work out that way for me. I think. I was on, like, day 13 by the time I finished the game. Right. Because, uh, like, I didn't even engage with the consumables till like, over halfway through. Mm-hmm. And so I leveled up quite a bit. And then, like, was like, oh, maybe I should, like, you know, I had, like, a little bit of trouble with something. So I, like, consumed some shit and then just, like, steamrolled the rest right. of the game. <laughs> like, with hilariously little effort. Yeah. That's fairly similar uh, to me in that... Uh, I think I finished the game on day eight. Um, the rest of the, but a lot of the sleeping was just like to get packages from Rufus. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, there's a point where he stops sending you stuff and you just get 200 uh, XP every time. Um, which is kind of lame, but whatever. Uh, I mean, this game has to pick a stopping point somewhere with everything that it does. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that there should have been an infinite number of them, but there's only, like, three packages that you get. Um, Well, Rufus doesn't love you that much. That's true. He kind of hates me, at least. I don't know. You are a necromancer with thin blood. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know how many times that I died against... I know one time was an automatic... Like, return to dirt water, because if you free the cow demon that I mentioned earlier, he just kills you instantly. Because uh, he was partying, I guess. Oh, what and a jerk. It was uncool for me to have brought him to this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I didn't engage with the consumables at all. The only one that I ever used uh, was this one piece of food that increased my moxie by six. Um, and eventually that gave me a disease. So <laughs> yeah, My go-to was the hard tack, because it basically made everything just do, like, three damage to right. me. Yeah. Ghost pickles are also pretty good, because mm-hmm. things will miss you. But either way, uh, 
I don't know. I felt like I was more willing to die because it, it bore like no penalty for me. So yeah, it didn't feel like a penalty at all to me either. Yeah, if uh, like, and, like buying the things to consume to have the exact same stats again isn't really that expensive, right? And it, like if uh, I thought a combat was going to take too long, I would just surrender and take the penalty because like I just didn't want to deal with it. So I... classic chance. <laughs> so wave that, the that... white flag of war. Well, that's what I did. Uh, but yeah, I actually thought because I didn't engage with the the consumables that much that the sleeping mechanic was actually pretty genius. I liked both it and I liked the concept of uh, the consumables for stat boost, but only temporarily. Um, I think, yeah, the point where it gets a little bit overboard is when you have, like, 11 effects active at once and are like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to, like, get rid of these. Yeah. It was, like, nine for me when mm-hmm. I was just like, I was just like, I can't ever sleep again now because I don't even know. <laughs> like, I didn't know if the little El Vibrito things would ever come back. You can... Oh, el- sorry, okay. I think you said elves, and I was like, I've been trying to figure out what the elves were for, like, the whole game. Because <laughs> there's a guy who says that he won't go to dirt water unless the elves are safe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't I didn't ever find any elves. You don't find elves. You have to ki- You have to give the elves... You have to give him something to keep the elves safe, which ends up being a bunch of really tiny swords. Yeah. And the, All right, then. Then the elves will be safe, because they have weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> this makes more sense now, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. And then he goes to Dirtwater and opens a crazy store, I assume. Oh, there's a boot store. Where you buy crazy boots. At crazy boots. Prices. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a clip that had been edited together. <laughs> But it was happening right in front of me. It's happening in real It's like time. we had a clip of Chad saying boots and a clip of Chad or JJ saying crazy. And it was just like edited together. Mm-hmm. Our casting is so smooth, it sounds like it was poorly edited very quickly. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. You were saying something about the El Vibrato there? Oh, fucking nothing. You didn't know if they uh, would come back. Yeah, you, you get boosts for putting batteries in things. Oh, so the energized boosts. Yeah. yeah, and they were like plus four each, and I had four of them. So I was like, am I just permanently losing 16 to every stat if I sleep? Because like, you... I didn't know you could, if you could get them back ever. Do, do they stack? Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually didn't actually... realize that you could check your buffs until like uh, about 30 minutes before I stopped playing the game forever. <laughs> so yeah. You can farm the... Uh, the materials to like make the keys or whatever, right? Yeah. Like pretty easily. But I didn't know if you could put a key back into a slot that already had a key in it. Oh, I have no idea. Uh, there's also just random events. Yeah, that that will trigger it. So either way, this is this is this poor is casting. Minutia, yeah, yeah. This is this is. However, I don't think I have lots of non minutia left because as large of this as this game was, uh, and as t- interesting as an experience as it was for me. It's not that talking about the overall structure of the game isn't complicated. It talking about the minutia is insane because that's the <laughs> joke. Right. But pretty much all that you're doing is running around and getting really specific keys to really specific locks and there's a thousand keys and a thousand locks. Yes. And it's fun and the game tells good jokes along the way. Yeah, I feel like um I agree with that. Uh 
Specifically, I think that uh, because this game sort of has so many things going on, but you interact with all of them in sort of the same way, you're really in this game, like, if you're in the game for the long haul, like, you're going to play it from start to finish and maybe even do multiple playthroughs, you're in it mostly for the narrative content, and while we've outlined sort of, like, large-scale, like, bits and pieces of things, we haven't, like, going into detail on, like, the smaller quests and, like, the little things that you pick up. And also there's always the danger when you're talking about a game like this to sort of just repeat jokes that are in the game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as being like, I liked when this joke happened. Is not productive and kind of dumb uh, <laughs> <laughs> of a thing to do. So, yeah, like, I kind of agree. There isn't a, t- a ton uh, left to discuss. Uh, I just had a thing to add. Uh, I was thinking about this game because I played like half of it like a while ago and then right. uh, finished it up this weekend. And I was thinking about the game at work while I was bored. Um, <laughs> like a good uh, employee does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was thinking because I, in my mind, I kind of compared it to Earthbound and Undertale and things like that. Um, and I was thinking. This game feels like if you stripped all of, like, that... Because when we talked about, like, Earthbound, we said it had this kind of, like, feeling that there's something underneath it all. Like, there is this kind of, like, sinister or something off about stuff Mm -hmm. going on in the background. And this game has a lot of, like, the quirky, fun, light stuff, but it doesn't really have that kind of undercurrent of, like oh, this goes deeper, or there's more to this, or a uh, feeling that kept me, like, really invested in those games, if that makes sense. Well, I feel like I just disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much going on in this game that isn't funny that they put some funny stuff over to, like, bury the lead a bit. Um, have you ever... Did you ever get an El Vibrato headband? Yes, I did. Okay, did you ever use it? Yes. On a cultist? Uh, on a guy in a mine, and he was thankful. Okay. I don't know if he was a cultist. Is he but, wearing a mask? Uh, <laughs> no, no, he was... that's a specific NPC you're supposed to use it on. Like, it makes him... Is he, like, crazy, and yeah, they put it on him, and then he's sane? Is he a crazy miner man? Yeah. And then he's oh, like, oh, oh, man, thank this you. This is in the part with the pit. Pro- yes. Yeah, there's a big pit... He's standing next to some spirals nearby and is going like, whoa. Yeah, doing crazy bodily Okay, motions. you can headband if you wear a cultist mask or the cult leader mask uh, and then talk to any cultist and have a, a headband on you. You can put the headband on the cultist and they will, like, become normal people and leave. Uh, which gives this, like, because I found this out... After slaughtering, like, six of them, then putting on the cultist leader mask to walk through the remaining ones, and then getting the headband and coming back and being like, oh, fuck, like, these are just regular people, and I just killed a hundred of them. Like, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Because, like, there's, there is this undercurrent of something, like, deeply sinister going on. And while, like, with any video game, you have to abstract everything mm-hmm. away from its individual parts. 
uh, it definitely still has that sinister undertone, mm. particularly with like the cows uh, being like demons. <laughs> yeah, it, see, to me, it that stuff all still just felt humorous to me, like the way maybe it's the art style or maybe it's like that stuff didn't really feel feel like it had implications to me in the game world or like i don't know it just felt like it didn't go deep enough like in the way that like nothing in this game ever felt like a like a gygus or (laughs) like a like an asriel or a flowey kind of a thing like it, it lacked that kind of gravity that i think those other games had yeah, this game definitely doesn't want gravity. It it never had anything close to a turn. It it had its tone that it wanted to set, and it mostly just kept with that tone pretty much the whole experience. Yeah. There was never uh, the like hard left turns that I often love so much in, in games that I play, where the tone shifts somewhere real serious, real abruptly, and it catches you off guard. Uh, but I don't particularly hold that against it. Yeah, I'm not saying it is a negative. Yeah. Right. I just found myself thinking about that at work right <laughs> are you doing a podcast on the side where you just yeah. think about stuff at work and yeah. then... it's a mental podcast yeah some people call those thoughts <laughs> <laughs> but I, i'm thinking do... about it as if i'm talking to an audience mm-hmm. like i sit down at work and i'm like all right welcome to the andy kinnick podcast i'll be your host for the next 10 hours <laughs> like it's a radio show mm-hmm and speaking of thoughts, do we have final ones? <laughs> oh, God. I was so happy with that <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh. mm. The physical agony. Okay. Uh, it was a good video game. Rent it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> so I was thinking sort of... Um, because you're a, JJ, you're the one who uh, suggested this originally. Um, and I feel like this is, everyone has sort of had like a game that they've been like, how about this game? And we're like, sure, why not? And eventually uh, it becomes like an episode and we reflect back on it. And the thing, uh, because I, for Andy, I feel like Severed uh, was like, everyone really liked the game. Uh and I don't think any of us would have played it had you not suggested it. Uh, for me, I think it was Epistory. And I feel like for you, it's still probably Undertale. Yeah. But this game kind of shares a similar uh, role in that, like, playing this game, I really enjoyed it. I feel like I wouldn't have ever touched it otherwise. I don't think I would have had the dedication to get into it. But now I kind of want to go back in and keep playing it a little bit more. Um just to sort of tie up loose ends. And I think that that kind of speaks for the type of game that it is. All the minute-to-minute stuff, the stuff that other games... Um, something we talked about. Oh, Nier had those, like, side quests that were boring and kind of sucked, uh, but all had interesting uh, narrative content tied to them. The narrative content and the relative simplicity of this game basically keeps me going on like a level of compulsion more than like anything else and i think that's within its design and kind of what i would like to applaud it for uh yeah i agree a lot with what you said um i don't think this is a game i i'd never heard of this game i probably never ever would have played it 
but I it did really enjoy my time with it. it. It really appeals to the side of me that likes like Tim Schafer stuff. Like it's genuinely funny throughout. Mm-hmm. But um, I yeah I I don't fall on that side. Though. Like I don't really feel compelled to go back into it. I kind of feel like I saw and did it all, even though I probably did like less than fifty percent of all that there was to see. <laughs> yeah, but uh. It was it was fun for what it was, and uh, I'm glad that I played it. So rent it from you as well. <laughs> no, no, this game's only like ten bucks. Yeah. Like, this, this is definitely worth a purchase. <laughs> the rental would be like eighty percent of the cost of the game. Are right. we just ignoring that this is a downloaded game? Yeah, there would be you would there would be a zero percent chance that you would be able to find a way to rent this. Unless you like went on Craigslist, and some guy was like renting his uh, uh, how Steam does, how ID. does uh, GameFi work? Can you rent digital copies of games from them? I actually don't know. GameFi exists. I think still? it still does. Oh God! I think I saw a commercial for them like last year, so they were still around then. Oh, oh! Before we conclude, by the way, maybe they what did anyone? play the entire game with stupid walking on oh yeah 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 good. yeah okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yes yeah mm-hmm. all right good cool good i it was i liked it mm-hmm. fantastic no did you use nostalgia mode no, no it was i did yeah oh, i didn't like it Terrible. i vastly preferred it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i thought like the just like the white was like too bright and like the not the nice yellowish tint was much more pleasing to look at that is true. The later in the day that it got, the more I felt like I should be using the Yeah, I turned it on and never went back. Cause like, whenever it would go to, like, whenever I quit out of the game, it would take you to the main menu screen, and that's just the bright white, and I'd be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the nostalgia mode. It doesn't look like you can rent West of Loving. <laughs> <laughs> you had to change your rating. Shit! Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, buy buy access to Steam. A... Share it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that. Don't don't be, don't get me part of a complicated Ponzi scheme with your friends where you offer them money to sit at their computer for periods of time. Just just Steam share it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cut that out because people should just buy this game. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> Thank you for listening to NoClip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time we're going to be talking about The Last Guardian, the uh, much-anticipated follow-up to our... uh, This is about us. Uh, (laughs) Our Shadows of the Clauses episode. You mean video game that we made. Yeah, right. Thank you for listening to the Team Eco podcast. (laughs) We are Team Eco, Mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is at noclippodcast.com or at Team Eco. <laughs> we can buy that. We don't, have, we don't have to buy it. I can just set up a blog <laughs> slash Team Eco. Uh, or at splattershot.pro slash Team Eco. Uh, you can find all of our old episodes, our YouTube, Twitter, uh, email, all that good shit. Uh, give us a five-star review on whatever pod-catching platform you're currently listening to this on. And uh, I'll talk to everybody 
too much in two weeks. That's our new closer. <laughs> Just ad lib that one. <laughs> All right. Wow. That signals the end of the podcast. <laughs> Can that be our closer? That was actually cool. <laughs>